Scripture reading this morning will come from Mark chapter 7, verses 18 through 23. Mark 7, 18 through 23. And he said to them, then, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For, without, for, from, with, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensu- uh, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. It might easily be said that there are two versions of you. There is the version of you that you want other people to see, when you're in public especially. We might call that a persona. The idea that I want to present my my best face, I want to put my best foot forward, that we want other people to think well of us, because we care about what people think. It makes a difference in how we get along in life. And so there's the persona side of us, but then there's our heart. That's the hidden part of us, the part that people don't see as easily. And every one of us should give thought to what's happening with our hearts. Because the persona thing, I can manage my image, I can manage my reputation, I can be friendly and kind and smile and be outgoing, I can post wonderful pictures of my life on social media so everybody thinks that things are great in my life, and maybe they are. But what's going on in my heart, what's going on in your heart, tells the real story. It's been said that when God measures a man, he does not wrap a tape measure around his head. He does not use the tape measure to measure his stature. God measures the heart. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. The Lord does not see as man sees. The Lord looks at the heart. And when Jesus came to earth, he had a lot to say about the heart. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. Think about what's happening in your heart, what Peter calls the hidden person of the heart. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. We need to think about what's going on in the area of our lives that other people do not easily see. And maybe nobody else knows what's going on in our lives and what's going on in our hearts except for the Lord. Jesus had a lot to say about the heart. When we look at a house and evaluate a house, the most important part of the house, no matter how beautiful it might be, is the foundation. You can't see the foundation as easily, but that's the most important, the most critical part of the house. When you look at a boat, it might be a yacht, multi-million dollar yacht, and it might look wonderful and have all kinds of staterooms, but what's below the waterline is the most important part, isn't it? What's underneath the water, if that's not sound, if that doesn't have integrity, then it doesn't matter how beautiful the top part of the boat is. 
When you look at a plant, the most important part of a plant is its root system. If it has no root, it will not long survive or bear fruit. And the most important part of you and your life is what's happening in your private thought life in your heart. Jesus had a lot to say. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was on earth, that he didn't need people to tell him what was going on, what they were thinking. The Bible says in John 2, 24 and 25, that Jesus knew what was in man. He could read your mind. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter two, verses six and seven, there were some Pharisees and scribes that watched him say, your sins are forgiven. And they reasoned in their hearts, it says there in Mark 2, 6, how could this man forgive sins? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And the Bible tells us that they didn't open their mouths, but Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. And Jesus knows what we're thinking as well. And he warns us, he challenges us. Think about what's happening in your heart, the internal part of you, in your mind, in your thoughts, in your emotions, think about what's going on there. And I want to list for you this morning four principles that Jesus talked a great deal about when he talked about the heart. Four ideas concerning our hearts. Because there's a challenge here. Is your heart right with God? Think about this principle first. We'll call it the treasure principle. And I'll put the passage on the screen for you. The passage is Luke 6, verse 45. It says, Jesus says, the good person out of the good treasure, it's the treasure principle, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The treasure principle says this, our hearts are a repository. They are a place where good and evil things can be stored. And you're the one that makes the choice. You're the one that decides what's gonna happen in your heart continually. But Jesus warns us and says, your life is gonna follow what's in your heart. Whatever you're filling your heart with is what's going to come out eventually. I have decided that it must be exhausting to try to live as a hypocrite. Exhausting because you're always worried about what people think. You're always worried about giving a good impression even though your heart is not in it. It must be exhausting to try to live that way. And a lot of people do that. Their hearts are filled with all kinds of ungodly things, all kinds of evil things, and yet they're still trying to put on a good front and show that, you know what, I can keep my heart as evil as I want it to be and I can still pretend and play the part. That must be an exhausting way to live. Jesus says there's a better way and the better way is this this. Fill your heart with godly things. Fill your heart with God most of all, because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. You can't manage your impression that others have of you forever. You can't constantly manage what people think about you. It's exhausting. But if you fill your heart with good things, if you fill your heart with godly things, with noble things, all of a sudden you're going to be speaking that way. You're going to be acting that way. That's the principle. 
Chip read just a moment ago from Mark chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Did you hear what the Lord said? He said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. The Pharisees, they had built some traditions around washing and cleansing yourself before you eat and washing the cups and the bowls before you eat because you don't want to be defiled by eating out of an unclean cup or an unclean bowl. And Jesus says, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth by means of your heart because you've got this inward repository and you're filling it with all kinds of ungodly things. Did you hear what he listed? He said things like evil thoughts and sexual immorality and theft. Oh, I really wish I'm going to see how I might be able to steal this and murder when I'm angry and I do not deal with that in a godly way. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, I will be filled with thoughts of even murder and adultery, lusting after someone that you have no right to be with and coveting, wanting something more than what we already have and wickedness and deceit and sensuality and envy and slander and pride and foolishness. Jesus says, when you fill your heart with those things, you're going to be defiled. Your life will be impure, unholy, displeasing to God. The treasure principle says this, whatever your heart is full of, that's how you're gonna live. And you don't even really have a choice. You can pretend for a little while, but it won't be long before it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And when you say it and what you choose to say, those kinds of things betray ultimately our hearts. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. A couple of things to contemplate about the treasure principle. Number one, the Bible teaches brothers and sisters that our hearts are the wellspring of our words and our actions. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it proceed the issues of life. Your heart is the wellspring of a fountain and whatever's coming out in your mouth, whatever's coming out in your actions and the way you treat others is a reflection, a direct reflection of what's going on in here. Your heart is a wellspring of your words and actions. James says this, with your mouth, brethren, some of you are blessing God and cursing your brethren. Is that the way a well works? Is that, is that the way a fountain works? James asks, James 3 verses 10 through 12. These things ought not so to be. Be pure in heart because your heart is a wellspring of everything else that's going on in your life. And then he says this, Jesus does. Our hearts gravitate toward our greatest desire. Whatever it is that you're really all about, whatever it is that makes you tick, whatever it is that, that you're really pursuing with your life, and especially Jesus has in mind money. In Matthew 6, 21, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, not on earth, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The treasure principle says, whatever I have chosen in my heart to think about, to long for, to desire, whatever I want more than anything else in the world, that's where my heart's gonna be. And wherever my heart is will affect everything else that's happening in my words, in my actions, in my relationship with God and with others. That's the treasure principle. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. Make your treasure God 
and the things of God, and your heart will follow. Second principle, when Jesus talked about the heart, not only did he say out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but he said this. Second principle is the guarding principle. Brethren, we are called by God to guard our hearts, to set some boundaries and some limits around what's happening so that our hearts can properly and appropriately be guarded. Because of the treasure principle, because of the idea that whatever's going on inside of me, that's who I really am. And whatever's going on inside of me is gonna, is gonna change the way I speak and the way I act. Therefore, we must guard what's happening in our hearts. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 28. I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You're thinking about it. You're dwelling on it. You're exposing yourself to a situation where this is what you're going to think about. And this is, you might think about it this way. Our hearts are kind of like VCRs, if I can date myself for just a minute, okay? DVRs, if you want to bring it up to modern day. You have a choice when you're presented with an idea or an image. You have a choice whether I'm going to press play and watch the video. And sometimes, sometimes when you see something or someone, this passage, you have about two seconds to decide, am I going to press play and watch the video in my mind or am I going to turn my thoughts on something better, something more godly? Because Jesus says, you got about two seconds here and you need to make a decision. Do not go around thinking about in your heart things that you have no right to do. When you think about the guarding principle, Jesus tells us, scripture tells us that our hearts are constantly interacting with our environment. Your heart is not passive. Your heart is not something that's just kind of waiting to see what kind of comes, you know, washes up on the beach. Your your heart is not doing that. Your heart is seeking out things constantly. And your heart is constantly interacting with what's happening around you. When I say your heart, I'm talking about everything that goes on inside of you. Your emotions, your intelligence, your mental faculties, your imagination. All those things are are wrapped up in what your heart is according according to the Bible. And it's constantly, you're constantly thinking about what's happening, what you're experiencing. And therefore, there is a need for Christians especially, but for all people generally, to think about What am I being exposed to here? Psalm 101 verse 3, the psalmist said, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Do you know, by the way, how we're generally exposed to things? By what we see and what we hear. Our sight and our hearing, generally. The five senses broadly, but those two especially. And the Bible tells us we need to guard what we see. We need to watch what we're exposing ourselves to. Mark chapter four, verse 24, Jesus says, take heed what you hear. Don't believe everything that you hear, First John chapter four, verse one, because your heart is interacting with those things. Jesus says we need to guard and think realistically in our lives about what we are voluntarily exposing ourselves to. Moms and dads, Let me say a couple of things. This is a wicked world. 
This is a world that is coming after your children in every way imaginable. And you as moms and dads have a responsibility to your children to guard their hearts. You have a responsibility to your children to make some decisions that are adult decisions about what we are and are not going to be a part of as a family because of our kids' hearts' sake. We have a responsibility in that area. What are my kids being exposed to? And I'm telling you, there are young, young children out there in the world that are watching on television, on their screens, that are being exposed to all kinds of things that even adults should not be exposed to. And I'll tell you, it is messing with their hearts. And they are going to grow up with, with a warped sense of what's real and what's right and what's good. And at their age, they don't have the capacity to even comprehend or think about or process in any kind of healthy way what they're seeing. And parents just press the play button and they leave the room and don't think about what's going on in their kids' minds and their hearts. We have an obligation not just to our kids, but to ourselves and to our God. God says, guard your hearts. Pay attention to what is being seen. There is enough in this world that your kids are going to be exposed to. There's plenty that they're going to have to sort through and filter out, and you're going to have to guide them as a godly parent to help with. There's enough of that without you voluntarily bringing some things into your experience just because it's what everybody else is doing, or just because you feel like, ah, they're old enough, they ought to be able to see this. Think about guarding their hearts. We're going to have a lot to answer for on the day of judgment, some of us, for the way that we've allowed our children's hearts to be corrupted by this world, by inviting all the garbage and filth even into our homes. Jesus says, guard your heart. It's constantly interacting with everything that's going on around you. And not only that, in Matthew 6, 22 and 23, it's about what we really want. It's about our ambition. He says this, and this doesn't get as much attention, these, two, these couple of verses, these don't get as much attention as maybe Matthew 6, 24, you know, no one can serve two masters. Or Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But listen to what he says, Matthew 6, 22. He says, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. You know what he means by that? If I have determined in my heart that I'm going to set nothing wicked before my eyes, if I want to rejoice in good things, in noble things, in godly things, in things that exalt Jesus Christ, in things that bring honor to God, if I want to rejoice in those things, and that's what I'm pursuing with my life, that's where I'm going with my life, those things will cause my body to be full of light. But then he says, if your eye is bad, that means you know what I'm talking about. There are some things out there in the world that will grab hold of your attention and you know it's wrong. You know this is wicked. You know this is evil. You know this, this is not what I would want everybody else to know that I'm thinking about and I'm looking about and trying to pursue. But your eye is bad. That is, I'm gonna pursue this anyway. I know I shouldn't. He says, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, it fills up your heart. That's what he's saying about your heart. You got to think about what you're looking at. You got to think about what you're listening to. You've got to think about how your heart is interacting with what's going on around you. And there's plenty of sin and wickedness and evil around us in the world without us inviting more of it into our lives. That's the point. Guard your heart. Whoever looks at a woman to lust after her commits adultery in his heart because his eye is bad. He's thinking about things that he shouldn't be thinking about. He's 
meditating on things he should never cause or allow into his mind. The guarding principle. When Jesus talked about our hearts, number three, he talked about the hardness principle. There is such a thing as the hardening of the heart. The Bible mentions it frequently. Jesus mentioned it a couple of times. In Mark 3, verse 5, there was a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath day with a withered hand, and Jesus had the power to heal the man. The man has a withered hand. He's not able to do the kind of work that maybe he otherwise could do. And the Pharisees and the scribes are sitting there in the synagogue, and they don't care about the man and his condition. They're just watching to see whether Jesus is going to do work, quote unquote, on the Sabbath day. It's got nothing to do with helping this man and helping his life. It's got everything to do with, is he doing what we expect him to do according to our rules and traditions about the Sabbath? The Bible says when Jesus understands what's going on in their hearts, he looked around in anger. What makes Jesus angry? He was grieved at their hardness of heart, the Bible says. These people lacked compassion. These people did not understand who they were witnessing. Jesus is the creator of the Sabbath. He of all people ought to know what is and is not permitted on the Sabbath day. Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. But Jesus was grieved at their hardness of heart. There's another passage when they were asking Jesus about marriage and divorce. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 8, listen to what he says. It is because of your hardness of heart that Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. He's talking about, there's a passage in Deuteronomy 24 where the people who wanted to divorce their wives were told to give their wives a certificate. And it was basically a concession on God's part. He was saying, you guys are gonna do this. I want to institute some kind of protection for the women that are being put away because you're hard and penitent heart. You married this woman. You told her that you were going to love her until death parts you. And now you are breaking that commitment. You are breaking that commandment and you will not relent. Because of your hardness of heart, Moses said, do this. But that was never God's intention from the beginning. What's the point? Jesus said, there is such a thing as a hard heart that becomes hardened and calloused. We would say it this way. We wouldn't say that's a hard-hearted person. We'd say that's a cold-hearted person. We use the word cold to talk about hardness of heart. What hardens a heart? The Bible indicates that hearts are hardened by unbelief. Those people that were looking for Jesus to do something wrong on the Sabbath, they didn't believe that he really is the Son of God. Their hearts were hardened because of unbelief. Mark chapter 4, verses 14 and 15 speaks about the wayside soil. Remember the parable of the soils? There's some soil that's just like this carpet. You sow a seed on it, it's not going to do anything because there is no way the seed is gonna penetrate the carpet. Some people's hearts are just like that. Sometimes our hearts are hardened by hypocrisy. One of the things Jesus talked about a great deal in his ministry was the hypocrisy of people like the Pharisees, for example, Matthew 23, verses one through 10. He said, they're telling you good things, do as they say, but don't do as they do because they're all about themselves 
They're all about their image. They're all about their persona. It has nothing to do with them, about character and about a heart for God. It's got everything to do with what people think about them and whether they esteem them highly. It is hypocrisy and your heart will be hardened. If you try to put on a show for other people, if you try to play the part and there's no sincerity in what you're doing, ultimately that has a hardening effect. Repeatedly doing evil. I know it's wrong and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it again, I'm gonna do it again, I'm gonna do it again. Have you ever noticed when you do that how much easier it is to do evil the second time and the third time and the fifth time and the 15th time to where it doesn't even bother you anymore, it doesn't even raise your blood pressure. Repeatedly doing evil will harden your heart. Hearing God's word and then refusing to do. The Bible tells us that we can be self-deceived. We can hear the truth and we can acknowledge it and we can say, good sermon preacher and pat the person who preached the sermon on the back and yet when we fail to do what God commands us to do, our hearts slowly but surely will be hardened. It's like being inoculated. It's like being, it's like taking a vaccine. The idea that we're going to slowly but surely become impervious to the things that God wants to change and rearrange in our hearts so that our hearts can be more attuned to him. Hearts are hardened by those things. The fourth principle that Jesus talks about regarding our hearts is this, the sincerity principle. Here's what he says, and I appreciate David for leading this song a few moments ago. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Who are the pure in heart? Yes, there are people who guard their hearts. Yes, there are people who think about the treasure that's in their hearts. What's the abundance that's in my heart? What am I thinking about constantly? And what am I filling my thoughts and my mind with? But the pure in heart ultimately, in Jesus' way of speaking here, the pure in heart are the people that what you see is what you get. They have no ulterior motives. They are not trying to manipulate anybody. They are not trying to play political games. They are just pure in heart. Their lives are a reflection of what's going on inside. Jesus said, if you wanna know peace, if you wanna know joy and you wanna know freedom, if you wanna know those things in your life, here's a secret. Let the outside of your life match the inside. Fill the inside with good things and then let the outside match the inside. And all of a sudden, you don't have to worry about whether I told the truth three weeks ago because I always try to tell the truth. We don't have to remember how we're supposed to relate to all these different people because I always try to relate to people in a way that honors God. That's being pure in heart. I don't have to stress about my reputation and what people think of me because I always just try to act in a way that pleases God and I let my reputation take care of itself. And that is a joyful and a peaceful and a godly Christ-like way to live. Those who are pure in heart will see God, it says. That's the sincerity principle. Be sincere. Let the inside match the outside. The outside match the inside. Be full of integrity. That's what he says. We said a moment ago, God's the one that looks on the heart. He doesn't look as man sees when he evaluates your life and mine. He's not looking at our bank accounts and he's not looking at how many people think we're wonderful. He's looking at what's going on in our hearts. God looks on the heart. That's how he evaluates us. Jesus challenged us to love God with all our heart. Jesus says, when we obey God, we are to obey from the heart. 
I'm not just obeying God because other people expect me to or because I think that I'm gonna win favor with somebody if I do this. I wanna obey because this is really what I want. I wanna be right with God, Romans 6, 17. Daniel purposed in his heart, Daniel chapter one, verse eight, that he was going to do certain things and he was going to avoid certain other things. He purposed, he made up his mind. We're to rejoice in our hearts. You wanna know how to fill your heart with good treasure? I saved this one for last. You wanna know how to fill your heart with good things? Ask yourself this one simple question. It's a question that'll change everything about what's going on in your heart. This is a question that will transform what you're filling your heart with. This one simple question will do a great deal to help us to have the kind of attitude about our hearts that the Lord wants us to have. What's the question? What makes me rejoice? What really gets me excited? In what do I really find pleasure? That's the question. What makes me rejoice? And then ask this question. Are the things that make me rejoice the same things that God rejoices in? Are the things that bring me joy and pleasure the same things that bring God joy and pleasure? When I see someone brought to Christ, when I see people living and bearing the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, does that bring me joy and pleasure? When I, when I see the goodness of God in the world and the creation around me, does that bring me joy? Those are the kinds of questions. That's how you go about filling your heart with good things. Make your treasure the things that God rejoices in and your heart's gonna be filled, filled with light. That's how you do it. The sincerity principle. Be the kind of person that you seem to be because that's who you really are. Jesus says that our hearts are not right with God until they've been cleansed from sin by his blood. In fact, he said at the Last Supper, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of your sins. Matthew 26, verse 28. And then he said in the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who believes not shall be condemned. It's about sanctifying. It's about cleansing our hearts from sin. And Jesus wants to do that for you this morning. If you're ready to respond to the invitation of the gospel this morning, or if we can pray for you, won't you make your way down the aisle this morning while together we stand and while we sing?